This is Bridging the Gap with Love, episode 31, Phil's Story, part two, Transracial Adoption. I'm Heidi Brower, a birth mom. And I'm Jessica Johns, an adoptive mom. And this is a podcast about adoption. As we share our own experiences and the stories of others, we hope to provide support for those in the adoption world and educate others on the joy and grief of adoption. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. We finished out November, which was National Adoption Month. Wasn't it amazing? I thought we had such good interviews. I really loved learning from everyone. Well, today's episode is Phil's story part two, and this is where he talks about his transracial adoption. He has adopted a black son and a mixed son. And so in in today's episode, you get to hear from him some of the challenges that they face of being white parents that adopted um, black and mixed sons and how they are continuing to learn and grow through this experience. Phil shares with us how important it is for him to share his story and to hopefully help other people want to learn more and grow so that we can create a better future for all of our children. Please enjoy. All right, Phil, here we go. Part two. What are some of the challenges of a transracial adoption? Oh man, there are, uh, you know, transracial adoptions are, um, you know, they're not uncommon, um, in, in America. Um, but you also, uh, unless in, and again, well, we're going back eight years, right? So the amount of information and, uh, like just resources that, there are out there today covering this subject are a lot more vast than were back in 2014, which is definitely a good thing. And and people can prepare for those types of things sooner, but you're never going to be able to think about all the different things that could happen. So, you know, I, I think challenges as a, as a, you know, a white family adopting a black child, you know, the biggest thing is just cultural differences, right? Um, you know, in, in the black community, one of the big things uh, for, especially for males, um, and, and I'll say that in that I don't have a child who's a black female, so it may be the same level, but hair is very important. How their hair looks, how their, you know, how it looks, how much you, how many times a month you get it cut, how many, uh, you know, who cuts it, right? Like, there's entire uh, the show Blackish uh, with Anthony Anderson. It, they have an entire episode dedicated to barbers um, mm-hmm. and, and how important the barber is to the to the black community and and especially black males. And so, you know, one of those, I guess, challenges that people that have you know that white families that have white children don't run into are the fact that you have to think about, okay, every two and a half to three weeks, I have to go get my kid's haircut, no matter what. And it may not be a full haircut. It may just be a line, right? They're going to get lined up and you have to use the same barber for the entirety of your child's life because that is just how how it's done, right? And so you have Mm -hmm. to make that decision um, who you're going to use. You know, and then the thing, some of the things that you we've run into, you know, just a, around that sort of thing is, 
you know, in skincare, right? You, you, you have to, you have to use special skincare for, for black children. Um, and so, you know, one of the, the things that we've run into and it's more been earlier in, in Fitz's life was, you know, people coming up to us at the store and commenting on, you know, oh, you need to get his haircut or, oh, his skin's looking ashy. You need to make sure you're doing this and doing that. Here, let me take you over to this aisle and I'll show you exactly what you need to buy. And while they think that that's being helpful and it's not necessarily not being helpful, it makes you as a, as a parent feel like completely worthless. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to take care of my son son's skin or hair, right? And so you have to separate those comments or those those uh, quote unquote helpful moments of other people and realize that like what their intentions are are coming from mo- I, I I try to assume good intention, right? They're they're not trying to be um, mean or jerks or whatever, but they want to make sure that you understand how you should be doing this, right? And and so that that's a tough one to to kind of deal with because you're like, well, that's not. I'm sorry, it's just not something I think about all the time, right? Again, like you're just trying to you're just trying to raise good people a lot of times, and like so, but there are certain things that are just needing that that just have to be done, and and it's a it's a cultural thing too, and when you're a again when you're a white family who has adopted black children you have to think about those things because mm-hmm. you can't whitewash everything that you've done you know whitewash well they're in my they're in my house right like i don't need to think about their race anymore because they're just my child right it's like it's like when people say i don't see color that's great and i know what you mean by that you mean i am okay being around all races and i i don't i don't you know i don't judge people by the color of their skin that's fine but what that also says is like you don't recognize the differences in other people's cultures and the issues that arise from that that arise from that and and, and so you have to consider those things and you have to make sure that you're being um, cognizant of that so that because your, your, your sons are already going to, your children are already going to get looks, right? You're already going to kind of get a, "Mm, what is that? I don't don't really understand what's going on there. So you don't want to make it worse by, you know, by not taking care of, your children in the way that their culture would take care of them. If you lived in the black culture, you know, a hundred percent of the time, do we hit the mark? Absolutely not. Like, I don't, I don't think that you can expect yourself to hit the mark a hundred percent of the time, because again, every kid's different, right? Like Fitz doesn't like to get his haircut. Right. And, and Ollie doesn't like, he can't sit still long enough to get his haircut. Right. So unfortunately they're just, who they are. Right. And, and so we, we try to convince them every, you know, six weeks or so to get the haircut. It doesn't really go that well. And I've tried my hand in it. It does not work. So, um, you know, so, so there's that, and that's, that's a very, 
simple thing that people are like, oh, I didn't, you know, that doesn't even, yeah. you know, it doesn't even come to your mind, right? Um, you know, in terms of like just overt racism, I, I haven't experienced it directly to me or to or to Fitz and Ollie as of yet, um, which I'm very grateful for because. Ooh, I don't know, you know, like I, I try to be kind, right, uh, to all people and again, assume good intent when they make comments, but there are certain things that if someone said something, um, I would have a hard time having a kind response to them, yeah. um, you know, and, and, but, but there were situations, you know, in where they weren't saying it to me, but they would make a comment and they would use a racial slur and I would just look at him like, like you understand that I have a black son. Why would you say that in front of me? Like you shouldn't say it at all. You shouldn't think it, but like, why would you, why would you say that, you know, yeah. to me and, uh, or in front of me, not even to me, just in front of me. Um, and, and you know, most of the time they just kind of had this dumbfounded look on their face. Like they didn't you people don't think about that right they just don't think about how their words what their words mean like you know the whole sticks and stones break my bones words will never hurt me like that's it's yes and no right like no words hurt they definitely yeah. hurt right um and and sometimes though you have to you have to learn how to move past some of it because it'll eat you up if you don't and so you just have to you know kind of um, use your your I guess worldview and how you believe to kind of guide you and make those decisions for yourself and 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 just try to educate people in as loving a way as possible of how those types of comments are not needed, wanted, or acceptable. Right. So yeah. Um, you know, and, and then again, like not even racial slurs, but you just stupid comments like, man, I was really good at basketball, but if I would have been black, I'd be in the NBA. Like just offhanded remarks that people, like you just say it and you're just like, what are you, like, how does that thought even come into your mind? And how are you going to say that literally in front of my child? Like it, it's unacceptable. Don't say it again. But like, how do you, it's hard, again, it's hard to lovingly come at that. Um, you just have to basically say a little prayer to yourself, like, Lord, please help me not to hit this person right now because I really want to, right? Um, looking forward five, 10 years, right, of when my two boys are, are going to be, my two adopted boys are going to be teenagers, right? And, um, the big thing is that, that, that people don't want to think about is what I'll say. Um, is what is going to happen when they're with their friends? And again, we're in, uh, in, you know, not a very diverse part of, part of America. Um, what's going to happen when a police, you know, they're, they're with their friends and they're causing a ruckus as teenagers do, right? Mm -hmm. I think anybody can look back and if they're being honest they they'll say yeah I, I caused trouble right like how are they going to be handled by the police or an authority figure versus how their white friends are going to be 
handled by those authority figures. Um, what I want to avoid is giving both my, both Ollie and Fitz um, a victim's attitude in that just because you're black or just because you're mixed race, you're going to have these issues, right? I don't want to start there because that causes a kind of a, a victim's attitude and a mentality to where not everything you do and not all the time when you get in trouble, is it because of your race? Like you could just be doing something that you shouldn't be doing and like you're, you're getting in trouble for it. Right. Um, so it's not always about your race, but it could be. Um, and, but you have to, you have to remain calm in those situations and you have to figure it out in a, in as calm a manner as possible. Right. And that's really hard. That's really hard to teach a kid. I'm assuming as they get older, um, and, and Fitz is a little fiery, right? Like, and so <laughs> it's, you know, like you're going to have to, like, I would rather like, honestly, and this is, this is something that we've talked about, like, Hey, if you act like this in front of a police officer, like you could go to jail, right. Or you could get in a lot of trouble, but as we go on and as it becomes more age appropriate, the, the communication is probably going to turn to like, you need to make sure that you're safe, number one, and then we'll figure it out from there, right? Like, I don't yeah. I don't want to get into a situation where I'm the one getting the call in the middle of the night that your son's been shot or your son's been beat to a pulp because he resisted arrest or the number of other things, right, that have happened over the last eight years that have been in the news and, and just uh, just – uh, really, really hard situations that all of us that have people that we love that are black or minorities um, that have happened. And again, you, you try not to, to have that victim's attitude or, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to teach them that, Oh, you're going to have a much harder time with everything in your life because of the color of your skin. Right. But like, just pre be prepared for the worst, right? And and if yeah. you're prepared for the worst, then you can handle it when it comes and you have a plan. And if you stick to that plan, we can work through it. Again, I'm praying and I'm hoping that our society in the next six or seven years progresses even further along that it's not as big of an issue, right? Or it's not an issue at all. I think that's Pollyannish of me. Uh, to think that, but like, I can still, you know, I can still give that prayer up to God. Like, please, what can we, you know, use me as a tool to get it, get us there. And like, how, how do we as a society come together to understand that this is an issue and how do we address it together? in a unified manner. Will we ever get there? I don't know because of the way society is, but it needs, it needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, I think it's hopefully over the next five years going to be, uh, hopefully, you know, a lot, a lot less than it is right now.
Well, and I think what I think what you're doing, sharing your story is a part of it. I remember so part of our technical difficulties that we talked about in our mm-hmm. last episode um had to do with Phil's episode. We previously recorded an episode with Phil, but something happened, so we get to do it again. But I remember after that episode that we recorded with you, I talked to Jared after and I just said, you know, I never thought about this, but Phil has to worry about things that we will never have to worry about as a parent because we don't have black children. And for me, it got me thinking and just being more aware and also thinking like, well, what are the things that I grew up with and and am I still using those thoughts or whatever? And it really helped me reflect on my own thoughts and how I was brought up. And so hearing from you and hearing your story has really helped me um, just think more. And I think that that's really what it takes is people being open and sharing the struggles and um, letting those of us that need to really think, because all of us do, all of us really need to take time to think about, you know, where are our thoughts and our values based on all of those, those issues? Well, and, and I think too, like from the other side of it, for me is I have to, you know, obviously the pendulum swings all kinds of different ways, right. In terms of your emotions. And so when a story like this comes out, you know, my gut reaction prior to the last like two or three years was to just get angry. Right. Oh, it happened again. I can't believe like we can't change this uh, situation and, and, you know, you get, you start, you know, offhandedly like posting things on the internet on social media and like that doesn't help right the the the, you know all cops are bad thing doesn't help and then because all that does is on the other side of it is you know well you know we support the police no matter what and like and, and that's what i'm saying i really pray and i really hope that like we can all come together at some point and like admit it needs to be we need to figure out how to like change the way either like how 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 the training is done and how these types of things and again like not sorry to not i'm not trying to be uber political about this but like the the defund the police movement that's come in the wake of all these shootings it's become this like on one side of the one side of the political spectrum, it's yeah, defund the police. On the other side, it's like, well, you guys are morons because if you defund the police, it's gonna be anarchy. But like they're not neither side's listening to one another on what that actually means, right? And and again, it's it's gonna be very, very hard for our society to come together and try to figure it out from a, a middle ground and try to fix that situation and there's a whole host of issues that have led us here that need to be addressed and fixed and it's going to take years and years years to get there but as long as we're taking steps towards that um you know i i think as a society we can get to a place where hopefully black families and white families or just people in general who have loved ones that are black don't have to worry about their loved ones going out walking down the street and being stopped for the reason of walking down the street or whatever. Right. And, and, and again, like 
sometimes there are extenuating circumstances and those come out later and all that stuff. But like there are, there are definitely situations where they don't get reported on, right? Because they don't, they don't escalate to that level that are still a problem, right? And, yeah. and that's still causing trauma for people for a, the simple act of walking down the street. Um, I think too, Phil, like your voice in this space really matters because in some ways you're kind of straddling two mm -hmm. different worlds here. And as an adoptive parent, like you're going to come at this with like a father's heart and we know how we feel about our children. And I think it's easy to be angry and upset, but if that isn't fueling the change that we need to see, like your calm demeanor in which like you describe these things and the loving manner that you want to share. Um, I think that's going to be powerful, um, right. and like change, you know, because already, like Heidi said, it has us thinking in new ways about, you know, the experiences that you've had and that your boys have on a daily basis. And I do believe that that change can happen because, um, I think about like the faith and hope that you and love that you've all you and Christy have already had to have just in your adoption journey. Like those are the exact forces that we're going to need for this journey too, like to help bridge the gap as well um, mm-hmm. with issues of race. And so I don't know, I really just appreciate you being willing to share your story because it really does provide like awareness and education and, and helps like allow for dialogue on these things, which I think needs to happen because there are mm-hmm. people that want to learn. There are people that want to improve and yeah. that just don't know how to do it and how to make a difference. But for your boys, yeah. like we're willing to do that. You know, we want to sure. learn, yeah, we want to understand. Yeah, well, and sure. I think it starts, yeah. And it, and it starts small too, right? Like you don't have to go out into the world, like the world, the social media, whatever that world is like, and shout it from a mountaintop necessarily. Like it depends on what your platform is. You can start with your family, right? With your extended family, with your friends, like, and it starts there and it spreads that way. And it's a lot easier to be loving to your family than it is to be strangers. And then it's kind of that ripple effect, right? Of anything. And so, yeah, I would encourage people that are in kind of the same journey, the same boat to really think about how they can start small and not, not try to change the world, but just try to change their little piece of the pie. And then, and then it causes those ripple effects. Yeah. Um, that's perfect. Sure. Phil, can you talk a little bit about how like your parents or Christie's parents and your extended family felt about you growing your family through adoption and also adopting children that were not of your same race? Yeah. So, you know, we were, we were fortunate that, um, you know, we had been talking about, um, growing our family this way through adoption, basically since we had started, um, dating. And so, you know, when we kind of got into it, it wasn't, it didn't come as much a surprise. Obviously we still had to kind of cover those topics. Right. So when we were getting really serious about it, they, asked, well, you know, so, you know, why do you want to do this again? And, you know, and, and once we kind of shared our heart and our calling that we felt um, God had placed on our hearts to adopt, um, you know, it was, it was kind of like full support. Right. And, and um, they didn't really um, ask, you know, 
other questions. Um, you know, in, in terms of the, the, the race question that really didn't ever, um, that wasn't really an issue for us. Um, which again, I, I think at least it was not, uh, it was not vocalized to us that there were issues or that there were, uh, questions, um, from, especially from our parents and our siblings, right. They, they were just very fully supportive. Right. Um, um, you know, I've been to, to answer though, in, in terms of, are there issues with that, um, in terms of the transracial adoptions, there definitely are, um, situations that we've been a part of with other couples, um, where, you know, there are issues with their extended families. Um, we, uh, actually were able to be part of a conversation with a couple that, you know, they were on board, they had been matched with, with the birth mom. Um, and, you know, the, the husband's extended family was not on board with them adopting a black child. Um, and so our, our agency, and this was after we had, you know, closed our adoptions, uh, finalized our adoptions and, in you know, hadn't really had an active, I don't think we had had, we had an active home study at that point, but they said, Hey, can you talk to this couple? Because, you know, they want to adopt and we've matched them with a, a birth mom, but now they're having doubts because of, of this situation. And so we spent an entire evening with, with these, with this couple and just kind of talked about all the issues and, you know, for us, it was just so we we didn't understand it. Right. We were trying to, but like we didn't understand. It. And we told them, like, it doesn't matter. It, it shouldn't matter. Right. What the race of this child is. You know, it's not a you're not picking out, um, you know, a, a puppy. Right. Like it's it's you are opening your heart to this to a child, right? And again, we came at it from, you know, a, a faith perspective, more or less of, you know, God's opened this door for you all and you need to go through it and it shouldn't matter what race that child is and you need to make sure that, you, you know, that your family is on board with this and if they're not, you need to basically tell them to get on board because this is, this is not, it's it, it's not part of the equation in terms of whether or not to adopt this child or not is their race, their color of their skin. Like I just, I've never understood, again, growing up in the Midwest um, where I have, again, not a lot of diversity, but I've never understood that, that part of the mentality of, of some people of how it could, it could even make a difference or even, become an issue or something you even thought about when adopting a child like it shouldn't it shouldn't be an issue yeah. at all but yeah um you know so so i as, as an encouragement to perspective perspective um adoptive parents make sure you have those conversations up front with your family make sure that everybody understands what your heart is and, and understands that it's not their decision to make for you. 
it's your decision. Um, and you know, if they're not supportive of that decision, I, you know, you, you, sometimes you have to walk away from some family members or friends or whatever, if that's how you're feeling called. Right. And if you're called to adoption, it is not, it's not a, um, flippant decision, right? There are, there are a lot of things you have to think through and have your heart open. And so if you go in with this attitude of, well, I only want a child if it's this race, this gender, you know, blue eyes, like you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't adopt a child, like in my opinion, and, and that's a strong statement, but you should, you, you, you have to be open to what what God puts in front of you and opens the door to. Well, you and have I think to be willing to walk through that. Yeah. I think um parents, family members, friends, in my experience, they they have great intentions. They think they're trying to protect or prevent you from hardship or whatever mm-hmm. challenges might come up with right. having a child with um a different race or having a child with special needs or just adopting in general people. I mean, I've experienced this in my own family are like, but what about this? Or, but what about the potential of this happening? And when you're in our shoes, being people that have adopted children or, or feel that call to adopt mm-hmm. children, those are irrelevant. Um, right. those, those fears and potential challenges feel completely irrelevant because you know, in your heart, that if God's asked you to do something, he's going to help you do it. Right. And so you kind of have to, we've had to reassure our family and, and people with the best of intentions that really just want to protect us from hardship, which is what we do as parents and friends. We're trying to kind of buffer each other and, you know, like Mm. help each other not have a hard life, which I think is kind of silly, but we've just had to reassure them like, Hey, trust us with this. Like we have, you know, as a couple decided that this is what we want to do and you need to get on board because we're on board. God's on board. He's leading the way Mm -hmm. and he's not going to leave us once we've made this decision. But those challenges and fears, like as an adoptive couple, eventually those become completely irrelevant. And it would be helpful if other people could like kind of suppress their own fears and anxieties about our journey, because we're the ones willing to do it. And all we're really asking is for them to walk alongside us. Yeah. Stop projecting. Yeah. Your anxieties on, on other people. And then, yeah. Yeah. Walk, walk alongside of us and, and support us. Um, and you know, just be there. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I was thinking just while you were talking and Phil, you know, earlier, how you were saying, like, you hope that our society gets to a certain point. I really truly believe that in the, in these kind of situations, there are no mistakes and God is the absolute, like, it's just how it all fits together a lot of times. Right. And how, you know, you guys were called to adopt and how Christy's always had that on her heart. And you were just like, yeah, let's do this. And then you adopt a black child and a, and a mixed child. And you are the one that is helping us learn more about these issues. And if we wouldn't be having the same exact conversation, if you had three white boys, we, that's just the sure. facts. We wouldn't yeah. be. 
And it's really important for us to have these conversations and for us to learn and grow and really dig deep within ourselves and say, where can I grow in this in this part of life, in these part of my thoughts, like where can I learn and grow and how can I be better and how can I teach my children to be better so that our future can look like that. So I just appreciate you being here and being willing to share this part of your adoption story and, and it's an ongoing story. And so if there are more issues that come up or more things that, that we can talk about and, and help you, especially in this adoptive space of, uh, trying to help families that have different races with their, you know, for, as, for their children, then we want to also be a part of that. So thank you so much for being willing to be open and honest about, about this subject, because it's very much needed. Yeah, absolutely. If you or someone you know has an adoption story to share, please email us at bridgingthegapwithlove22 at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram. We'd love to hear your story.